Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I invite you to turn with me once again to the book and gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. As we continue to make our way through Matthew chapter 5 this morning, we will be considering verses 27 through 30. Verses 27 through 30. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 27. This is the holy word of God written for you and for me today. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, Pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell." Amen. Thus far, the reading of God's holy word. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word to us. Indeed, let us go before him in prayer and ask for that blessing as we hear the word preached. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, this is your most holy and inspired word. It is your word to us today as your people, and we pray that we would have open hearts and minds by your Spirit's work to hear it, to receive it, and to act upon it for your glory. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, as Jesus came to fulfill the law, he did so through his perfect obedience to it. And through preaching and teaching the entrance requirements and the ethics of his kingdom, Jesus, the great lawgiver, opened the understanding of his disciples to know the full intent and the full extent of the law. For that extent had been limited and twisted by the Pharisees and their traditions. That true intent had been contorted by their commentary and their added layers of application in order to keep the law in their own view. And so here comes Jesus in this sermon, this great sermon on the mount, correcting the error and shining light to the truth. Here comes Jesus revealing where sin, where law-breaking truly begins in the heart. And considering this, never forget the truth of 1 Samuel 16, verse 7b. The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it's here, it's here early on in his sermon that Jesus begins addressing Pharisaical teachings, saying, you have heard that it was said. Now, what law did Jesus start with as he said those words? Well, he starts with the sixth commandment, 
which forbids murder. Murder, as we know, is the taking of our own or the unjust taking of another's life. And it was true that in being good students of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus' mountainside disciples were well familiar with the physical act of taking another down and that being murder. But the problem was that was where they th- that was where they thought that sin started. That was where they thought that sin started. And so Jesus opened their eyes to see that murder truly begins in the heart. God's law is broken far before life is taken. The seeds of that blossom into murder and are those of sinful anger and pride and ungodly hatred that are left unchecked in the heart. And therefore, knowing the schisms and the the conflict that such seeds generate, Jesus so graciously taught his disciples then, teaches us today the path of reconciliation. This is an essential path that all must follow and that we are to keep as we keep short accounts and as we're prompt in our pursuit, not letting the seeds fester, knowing that there are serious consequences if we don't. How were you struck, beloved, by Jesus' words regarding reconciliation and even approaching him in worship, as we considered that last week? To be right with God, we must be right with his people. We must also consider what is lawful and just in our actions with those on the outside, Christ taught us. And so as Jesus goes on today in in, in today's text, notice that he continues with matters of the heart. He's, He's far from being done with that exposition. Let's learn from his words about lust and adultery in the heart in verses 27 and 28. If your eye causes you to sin in verse 29, and if your hand causes you to sin in verse 30. And so he begins again in saying those very specific and needed words in verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now see how Jesus moves to address another sinful passion. In doing so, he moves from the Sixth Commandment to the Seventh Commandment. And also know that the Tenth Commandment is in view here as well regarding not coveting your neighbor's wife. And what does the Seventh Commandment teach us? It requires the preservation of our own and our neighbor's chastity in heart, in speech and behavior. And it forbids all unchaste thoughts and words and deeds. And we're helped with this wonderful truth in Shorter Catechism, Questions and Answers 71 and 72. Keep in mind also that the Apostle Paul was mindful of this as he told the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 7, beginning in verse 2, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife, And let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. 
The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again. And why? So that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. To be clear, beloved, the heinous sin of adultery where a man takes and sleeps with a woman who is not his own wife or a woman takes and sleeps with a man who isn't her own husband, This sin destroys their own and their neighbor's chastity. Let us be clear about that. It magnifies, it it thrives in, and it fuels unchaste thoughts, words, and actions. It thrives in and it it exploits one's lack of self-control. Beloved, this must seriously concern each and every one of us today. You may be very well familiar with this command of the Lord. In fact, I know that the majority of you are. As we recite the Ten Commandments, most each and every Lord's Day, we are reminded of this very law of the Lord. And yet, never forget that it must concern us in very deep regards, for its barbs and tentacles run deep, this sin does. Its barbs and tentacles are well saturated in the world. It's all over the place. It's in the deep, deep parts of the world's culture and wickedness and sin. And those barbs and tentacles are tragically far-reaching in the church. We hear all too many, all too many stories of tragedy after tragedy of falls and failures in Christian marriages because of this sin today. What does adultery do? It takes an axe to the sacred marriage covenant that God has established between one man and one woman. Indeed, it is a great offense against the living God. It treats with contempt and intentionally goes against God's command in Matthew 16, verse 9 which is tied to the creation ordinance of marriage. Where God says, So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. And yet the adulterer and adulteress ultimately don't care about what God commands. And their actions, it's very clear, they want what they want, and they want it now. Beloved, adultery intentionally taints and defiles the marriage bed that is to remain undefiled, God says. We hear this truth in Hebrews 13, verse 4. And beginning there, it says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content With such things as you have, there is no error, no mistake in these two statements going together. The issue of discontentment and envy tied to the sin of adultery. 
And indeed, these words of contentment and the lack thereof point us to what? To the tenth commandment. And what does the tenth commandment teach us? It requires full contentment with our own condition and a right and charitable frame of spirit towards our neighbor and all that is his. It forbids all discontentment with our own estate, envying or grieving at the good of our neighbor and and all inordinate motions and affections, notice, to anything that is his. And so it's with this discontentment in view, it's with this envy in view, that we need to listen carefully to Jesus' words as he exposits the fullness of these laws and shines light to what is going on in the heart. Look at verse 28 of Matthew 5. But I say to you, that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. My friends, see that Where murder begins in the heart, in sinful anger, pride, and ungodly hatred, Jesus says the sin of adultery isn't confined to the physical sexual act. And that was one of the big problems that was true with the Pharisees. For they taught regarding this law, and they claimed that if the sin was only in the heart, then God wouldn't hear it. And this led to the Pharisee in Luke 18, verse 11, standing and praying thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or, or even as this tax collector. But what do we see here? We see pride. We see ultimately blindness to the extent of the law, to the matters of the heart, His focus was solely on the externals. But Jesus says the opposite is true. It isn't confined to the physical act. It isn't enough to back it up to secret conversations or or secret meetings that led to the act. Again, Jesus is driving this sin in the heart with the sword of his word right into the disciples' hearts and right into yours and mine today. A man commits adultery with a woman. A woman commits adultery with a man with the look to lust. With the look to lust. Remember how Peter describe the false teachers in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 14. What did they have? They had eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a trained heart in covetous practices and are accursed children. My friends, whereas such teachers have eyes full of adultery that that can't cease from sin. Disciples of Christ must have eyes free from adultery that flee from sin. That must be true of us. Each and every one of us. When that barb, when that tentacle 
is trying to creep in and grab a hold and pull you under. That must be true of us. We must have eyes free from adultery. And we must flee from such sin. And thinking more about this look of lust, let's be clear, what is lust? Lust involves strong desire, cravings even, for that which opposes the holy will and the command of God. Beloved, like we considered before, it's God who has brought this man and woman together in this holy marriage covenant to love and honor each other as they do of Him. Indeed, to show that wonderful, mysterious relationship between Christ and the church and to put that on display and how that is twisted when adultery enters the picture and breaks it apart. How sad that is. Indeed, lust opposes the holy will and the command of God. Lust perverts and it twists and it it defiles all that is good and beautiful that the Lord has put in place and that He has defined and set forth. For He is the definer and the author of such things. And considering sexual desire, lust demands the woman or the man God hasn't given them to be theirs at any cost. That's what love wants. They're not mine, but I want them. And I'm going to pursue them to have them. Lust brings a blind tunnel vision. It sears consciences. It pushes people who give into it into a passionate frenzy after what they crave. Like the mouth with food. Lust makes the heart water with sinful desire. It draws the eyes to take in longer and longer looks. But my friends, as Jesus' mountainside disciples were undoubtedly challenged and and cut to the heart in hearing this, may Christ's words here regarding the sin of this look cut your heart and mine this morning. Such a lustful look is committing adultery with that person in your heart. Make no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That is what is true. For God declares it. And beloved, this involves lustful looks in both public and private places. Don't miss that. For we will easily... Within our own mind and by our own justification, we will easily make our own rules. We will easily convince ourselves that it's okay in this form. It's it's okay to do it this way or in this place. But it's never okay. Are your looks restrained as you walk around town? What about at the gym? What about in the things that you watch? Reels, shows, movies. Are you filling your mind through the porthole and the gateway of your eyes? 
with that which is deviant and sinful. Things that would draw you to lust. Things that would entice you with such passion. What are you doing on the internet? Especially in private. Are you playing with pornography? Don't be deceived, beloved. Men and women alike, young and old alike, don't be deceived. Porn is a deadly poison that is fueled by lust. If you're looking at it, know that you're committing adultery in your heart with those people. And if you're married, your marriage is being damaged and destroyed look by look as it does its deadly work in you. And that affects your marriage relationship. It affects how you look at your wife. It affects how you love your wife or the lack thereof. And wives, it affects how you love your husbands. And beloved, we should not be so naive to not understand the difficulties of our sinful corruption. When we get into those fights, when we get into those arguments, when we get into the disagreements, when wedges are driven into our hearts and in our relationships, even as we considered in the sixth commandment, with anger, with pride, with ungodly hatred, those things are connected here. As then we desire the comfort, the compassion, what we believe is the love that we're looking for from another. Oh, how Satan draws us this way, beloved. Oh, how our flesh entices us when we are in our weakness and when things are not going oh so well with our spouses, let alone when things are going great and there are just enticements from the outside. We hit it on all fronts, beloved. We do. We get it on all fronts. And importantly, beloved, apart from the damage and the destruction that it's doing on the inside, importantly, it's affecting your relationship with God. This is displeasing to the Lord, and that in and of itself should be a deterrent. As you, as a servant of the Lord, as a kingdom citizen of Christ, as you desire to do what is right in his eyes and to be faithful in obedience to his law, this is why Jesus is showing his mountainside disciples these things. He knew their struggles and their falls and their sins, and he says, here's what you need to know, and we're going to see in a few moments Here's the path you need to follow. We need to see this too. But also, if you're not married, you're not free and clear. Lust in your heart is a grave breaking of God's law and it's poisoning your heart and the lens that you look through even now as well. And if this is true for you, repent. Repent. Turn from such sin completely, fully, unreservedly. See God's law, and that being applied to your heart by the Spirit, see it and say, Lord, I am sorry. I sorrow for my sins. I hate this. Help me turn from this for good. Leave it behind. Forsake it. And turn to Jesus for forgiveness and reconciliation. But now notice that similar to his treatment of murder in the heart, 
Jesus exposits the law. He shows us where our sin truly is. And then he shines light to the path that we need to travel in dealing with it as we follow him. Again, he's talking about kingdom ethics here. He's talking about what is right as servants of God in the kingdom of Christ. Look at verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. Now, beloved, what Jesus isn't teaching here is a practice of self-mutilation. That's not what he's teaching. The actual plucking out of the right eye won't overcome sin in the heart. But rather, Jesus uses this pointed illustration to press the importance of taking serious and costly action in killing and mortifying sin in our flesh. Truly dealing with this sin in our hearts. And it is costly. It is costly. It is heart-wrenching in many regards as we consider what needs to be done and as it is done and as the Lord is doing spiritual surgery to get it out of our lives That doesn't come without measures of discomfort. As he's getting the crud out of our lives that we have been so latching onto. John Owen said it rightly when he said, Be killing sin, or it will be killing you. And as Paul taught the church in Colossae, in Colossians 3, verse 5, he said, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. The eye being the lamp to the whole body, beloved. Jesus' reference to the eye here points us to the things that would lead to lustful passion. And we must be committed to killing sin and casting it far from us. There are no excuses here. There are no ifs, ands, or buts that are legitimate. We need to be all in. God has called us to be holy as He is holy. If if it was okay for the disciples on the mountainside to, to just have some part in it, as long as they were majority pure, Christ wouldn't have said these words in the way that he did. And look at verse 30. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable that one of your members perish than the whole body be cast into hell. Here, beloved, as we must practice godly control of the gateway that leads to the lustful desires in the heart, and that being the eyes, so also we must stay far away from the physical act of adultery that the hand represents. And further, notice that as Jesus ends both verses 29 and 30 with, then for your whole body to be cast into hell, we recognize that sexual lust will condemn men and women to eternal damnation unless they sincerely repent And turn to Christ. And so I encourage you this morning as we consider these commandments, as we consider Christ's words here, take Christ's exposition 
take it seriously and, and carefully examine your heart and life in light of it. As Jesus shows you the extent of these laws, did you know that lusting after another in your heart is committing adultery with them? Maybe you didn't before this morning. Has this passage given you enlightened understanding about what the extent of adultery really is? Does this convict you as Christ's light shines this truth to your heart? Do you sorrow for any discontentment and lust that you find there? Lust is a dark monster that only drives you to do evil. And its path takes people right to the gates of hell. Repent and turn to Christ, beloved. We must do so. And considering the sin of adultery, have much comfort in your salvation and the benefits of your union with Christ. We hear these sharp words that cut. Now receive the comfort and the salve of Christ in the good news of the gospel from 1 Corinthians 7, verses 9 through 11. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Here we see this with these words regarding adultery. Do not be deceived, he says. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And here is the wonderful truth. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. Praise the Lord, there is hope for sinners in Christ. Praise the Lord that he has washed us with his blood and he has justified us. And made us new in him, the, the vilest of sinners, the ones who are on this list. That's what the Corinthians needed to hear, and that's what you and I need to hear today. If you have not turned to Christ for your salvation, hear these words and do so now. Indeed, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet, therefore, as those who are in Christ, beloved, be serious in, in carrying out the daily and the costly measures that are necessary to put lust to death in your life. You may have wrestled with it yesterday. You may wrestle with it today. You may wrestle with it tomorrow. It will come frequently to your door. But don't let it in. And if it is in, Deal with it. Deal with it as you run to Christ today. Be serious in putting this to death and take all of the necessary and costly measures as well that are needed to keep it out as you seek to walk in holiness and obedience to your King. Here is the picture that Christ lays before us. He says, know the sin. Here's my law. Know the sin, now follow the path that leads to me, that leads to my work for sinners. Trust in me with all your heart by faith. 
Repent of your sins and turn from them unto me. And now walk in newness of life. Amen. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together.